there, mother lovers. This is Elena Turley, your host, and welcome to the Unboxable Podcast, a place for mothers who are seeking holistic health and maybe a new way to look at a few things. Please enjoy this episode. Well, hello, welcome back. This is Elena, as always, with the delightful Megan J. Smith, and I would love to hear about Megan. Tell us, please, first of all, welcome, and tell us, please, where you are and what you love to do. Oh, okay. Good question. Hi, Elena. So I'm Megan, Megan Jean Smith. There's actually a story to that, why I have Megan J. Smith everywhere. I can park that for you in a moment. It's not that exciting. I'm in Sydney. So I'm in the outer suburbs of Sydney. And oh my gosh, what do I love doing? Is this general? Can I just say no, I don't. walking, hugging Whatever my kids, like I just snuggling like up in bed in. with my dog, <laughs> <laughs> all the things, nourishing myself, my body, living my life to the fullest, making impact in the world. Mm-hmm. So many things. That eating, feels like a big one. Eating baklava. I'll just add that one in there. <laughs> Great. I could concur with that one. Oh my gosh. If you don't know what it is, it's a Lebanese sweet with like pistachio pastry, filo pastry, honey. Oh yeah. Oh, delicious. It is the best. Mm, Okay. I really like your list. And tell me what is the very special thing that you do to make an impact in the world at the moment? Okay. So Elena, I'm a life coach. I'm a money mindset and life coach for women. And I help women change their relationship with money. So I'm the host of the Money Mindful podcast. So I get into women's ears every week and talk about all the things money mindset. But I basically, if I was going to give you that tagline of what I do, it's I help you change your relationship with money so you can achieve your money and life goals and live a glorious, magnificent, brilliant, amazing, fabulous life and love being you. Well, That's I what mean. I help women do. Today's episode is brought to you by the Soul Mama Academy. It is a safe space online for mothers only And it is specifically there for women to access a community, a nurturing community that provides a gentle accountability and encourages you to walk step by step, small choice by small choice towards a holistic and healthy lifestyle. It just allows you to become more relaxed, have more fun and show up as the best mum possible. Visit www.com soulmamaacademy.com s-o-u-l-m-a-m-a-a-c-a-d-e-m-y nice one ladies i'm totally in for all of that it sounds amazing and tell me how you came to do this work megan Oh, it was an interesting sort of path. I actually started in a completely backwards way when it comes to marketing and building a business i used to be a primary school teacher And I've always been interested in investing and money management and looking after my money. And I used to chat with a girlfriend of mine on the phone every week. We were both in the process of buying a new investment property. And we just used to talk freely and frankly 
about money and investing and all the things. So, you know, well, are you using a mortgage broker? So which insurance people did you go through? Like, why did you pick this area? You know, blah, 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 all the things. And one day I just said to her, wouldn't it be so awesome if all the women could hear this conversation? Because so often we would make the comment to each other, I'm so glad I have you. I just can't talk to anyone else about money like this. You know, I just can't have this free conversation and be bold and authentic and really just have a good relationship with money and be able to speak about it freely. Anyway, this idea of a podcast popped into my head and Elena, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it finally kind of dawned on me, well, why not me? Why couldn't I do that? Because at the time, there's a few sort of big players in Australia at the moment who weren't around and I couldn't find any info on listening to people talk about money online that I wanted to listen to that wasn't a pale, stale male. No offense, guys. Because, you know, I've never heard that. That's brilliant. I love you, men, but also there's too many. There's too many in the in the public eye. Yeah. Yeah. And and also I think men can relate to money differently. I mean, I'm sure, of course, they can relate to it in the same way as women, but I think they have a different voice. And I'm like grossly general over generalizing here, but that's okay. Generalizing is okay as long as you say I'm generalizing wildly. But also what I've realized is that I don't know what it's like to experience being a man. I know what it's like to experience being a woman. So sometimes hearing a man's experience is harder to relate to. And that's totally legit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, you know, a lot of the books that I was exposed to when I first started learning about money were by men, you know, boomers. And I mean, nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't in a voice that was the voice I wanted to hear it from. But I digress. So I couldn't get this idea of starting a podcast out of my head. And I was like, I'm going to do it. So being the school teachery person I was, I was like, right, I'm going to go and do a course. I'm going to learn how to make a podcast. Like, what do I need? What do I do? I need a microphone. I've got to like do something where I can edit it. And I just committed to 13 episodes. No, 12, I think 12 episodes. I was like, right, I'm going to do 12 episodes. I'm going to give it a good go. And if I really love it, we'll see where it goes and we'll take it from there. Well, Well over 100 episodes, four years later, Elena, here I am still with the Money Mindful podcast going strong. That's cool. It's something like crazy, like over 100,000 downloads. It's listened to all over the world. That just blows my mind. I love that. Blows my mind. And through the process of talking about money every week and just going down my own personal development journey of doing things that I said I was going to do, like having an idea and like I could do that and then doing it, I moved into the world of coaching. So I came across coaching. It was in a period of time when I just had my babies at my first baby and I was not in a good 
place mentally. Like I just, there's lots of women that I come across that just seem really maternal and all about, you know, caring for the babies and that it's totally in alignment with them. And I I don't think you're going to get the wrong idea, but I feel compelled to say it anyway. Of course, I love my baby and was all into my baby and all of that. But the whole motherhood journey was just a complete drain. And I, you you know, I didn't know how to cope with being up all night and all the things that go on with being a mom. And I remember having this conversation with my partner where, because, you know, like people say things to you, like, you know, look, I'll look after the kids for a little while. You just go and you go and do you or do whatever you need to do for you. But I was so empty. My cup was so empty. This was before I'd started the podcast, by the way. My cup was so empty that when people would come over and say that, I was like, I am too fried to even, I don't even know what to do. Like, what can I do right now? Mm-hmm. Sleep? I'm not even sure. And I remember one time my mother-in-law came over and said something like that to me. And I was like, right. And I got in the car and I just drove down to Williamstown. I'm from Melbourne. Yeah. And I was in Melbourne at the time. Williamstown is just this, it's on the port where the boats come in. I just parked my car and I was watching just these big freight ships. I don't even know if that's the right word to call them. Vessels come in and I just slept in my car. And when I woke up from sleeping, oh gosh, I can still even feel a little bit of like the trauma left in my body. I just thought this is fucked. Like, I don't, I don't want this. Like I'm either going to become a drinker or leave my children. This is not the kind of life I want. It's awful, isn't it? It is. And but I plenty of people relate. Totally. But Mm. I, you know, I went and spoke with my GP and got a referral to talk to someone and everything. But when I started seeing someone, I realized this isn't what I need. I'm not depressed in the sense of, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean I was depressed in some in many respects, but it was actually like I'm just physically depleted. I haven't slept more than two hours for years in a row and I don't have the support I need and rehashing all of that and talking about it is not actually what I need to do every week. I need practical things to turn my life around. And then I just came, stumbled across coaching from a knitting podcast of all things because I'm a knitter and I listened to this knitting podcast and she happened to interview, she happened to mention some other podcast that interviewed someone who was a coach. Like, so it must have been meant to be for me to come across this. I was like, what's coaching? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what it was. Mm. And as soon as I started learning about Mm. what coaching was and what an impact it can have and how it can help you, I was like, oh, this is, I need this, like, this is for me. And so I went out and got a coach and Elena, oh my gosh, like completely changed my life. Mm. Like from, you know, depleted, drained mom, just feeling completely sorry for herself to now, since then, let's fast forward a few years I've trained as a coach. I've started my own online business. My podcast is really successful. I've doubled my income twice over the last two years, like doing my own stuff that 
you know, I teach my clients with money mindset. I mean, I'm really summarizing things here, Sure. but that has been the impact of what I've been able to do because I got help, right? Like, and support and got someone in my corner, Mm. like Serena Williams, for instance, like when we look at Serena Williams playing tennis, she's got a tennis coach. Now we don't think that she has a tennis coach because she's shit at playing tennis. Right? No, she has it to be better. Yes. And to help her and to help her be at the top of her game, so to speak. And I think this is, I mean, I think this is why the industry is exploding because so many people need this. They're not they're not depressed or they don't have a mental illness in the sense that they need to go see a psychologist or a therapist or whatever. They just want help to get stuff done in their life. And they're like, how do I get that? You know, like, where do I go? Do I? And for me, I just thought you just read books, like Mm. you just read a self-help book or I just didn't know that that was actually available. So amazing you're talking about this because the main thing that I do now is I coach depleted mothers. That's my main thing. And it's become that because this gray area that you're talking about, I'm not clinically depressed. I love my children and I need help, but I can't get it from a GP. I don't know where to go to get it. And I need other women and I need someone in my corner and I feel alone and I don't know what's next yet, but I need something to be next. You know, like you were very lucky that you found that very quickly. I wouldn't call it luck necessarily, but it was great fortune that you found what you wanted to do next, that next iteration of yourself reasonably easily. You know, I know plenty of women, including myself, that spend a number of years seeking a greater purpose or a different purpose outside of motherhood. I won't say greater because motherhood is a massive purpose in itself, but you kind of need something just for you as well alongside it. And well, I did. And it took me years to work out what that was. And, you know, I'm still working out. I'm still evolving in some ways. But I have noticed that this story that you're telling me is ridiculously common. And so many women find themselves there and don't know what to do. And a psychologist will definitely help you with your mental health, I believe. But it's not always going to help you with all that other stuff. And sometimes you can't afford to go to a a private psychologist, which can be really expensive. I'm a massive fan of psychology though, but you need a team. It's like Serena Williams' example or my example. I have a team of people that help me that I draw on at different times. And I think coaches and specialized coaches like you are, like I am, are really great to have in your team. Obviously, I'm biased. But also just gather your team, whatever it is, chiropractors, osteos, baby health nurses, like find your people. And if you find one that is not serving you, find another one, you know, find a different one. Because we, quite frankly, we we live in a world where we don't have to put up with second rate help anymore, (laughs) you know. Speaking to the converted, 100% agree. But, you know, Elena, I think one of the problems is though, is that, we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah, we are. And, you know, to to actually invest in yourself in that way, like in whatever, like even if it's just paying for a gym membership or going to get a massage. Because, Which is time. Yeah. 
Yeah. It seems like we can't let ourselves receive like mm-hmm. what we actually need. 100%. Yeah. I actually ran a retreat on the weekend, the first of its kind with a collaborator. It was remarkable. We had a really good sized group of women, local women to where I live, also in Sydney. And I was just so heartened and kind of astounded by the way that these women came in feeling all the things we're talking about, feeling like it was a really big deal for them to take a couple of hours out on a Sunday. It was just three hours. And a lot of them came in and as soon as they started to feel into where they were at, quite a few of them got quite emotional because it was like, I just don't do this for myself. I just don't find that space. And when they did allow themselves to receive a little bit of our nurturing and a little bit of what it feels like when women come together, which I know you do, I do, women coming together and sharing their truth, like you talked about on the phone calls with your friend, it's so incredibly healing, just that act and just the ability to receive a little bit of like, it's normal to be tough on yourself. It's normal to feel the weight of expectation cultural, social expectation as a woman, you know, and normalizing all of that and just dropping that bundle and emptying yourself out for a moment and then filling that cup back up with the goodness of nurture and healing and meditation, whatever it was we did, you know, cups of tea and talking was about half of it. But just those simple acts of even just coming together in a membership or in a coaching session like yours, it's so powerful and so quickly shifts you you know well it's building a relationship with yourself because so so many of us I mean we have a relationship with ourselves whether we think we do or not but most of us don't put attention on that like Like consciously deliberately yeah agree yeah Mm. and it's the same with money yeah interesting we have a relationship with money. Notice how I just steered the conversation. I know. You did well there, babe. That was awesome segue. I love it. In my family, we say segue, non-segue. That's what that was. That's I good. love it. It was good. You have a relationship with money, whether you think you do or not. Yes. Right? And that's the, the work that I do with my clients is building the relationship that they want with money. And this can be mind-boggling, life-changing work because of the way that we think and believe about money, like what we've been brought up believing. And so much of our relationship with money often isn't even the relationship that we've chosen. It's just the relationship that we've got because of what we've seen. Inherited. Yeah. And can you tell me a story? Tell me a story, Megan. Tell me a story of what happens, like a transformation story, whether it's yours or someone else's, of what happens when you do become conscious of that relationship and nurture that relationship with money. Oh, my gosh. Okay. How long is this podcast going to go for? Because I've, <laughs> I've got a lot of stories I can tell you. But look, one that I think is really helpful is, first of all, there's, I'll focus on this one because it's 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 really common. Who thinks that, you know, they don't have enough money, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like a scarcity thing. Yeah. So most people 
have this thought. I don't have enough money, regardless of your income level. That's right. And because I, that's my job, that's actually what I do. I coach people on money. I have worked with people with a range of different incomes from just your average Australian income to I have international clients of women who the everyday ordinary person would consider very wealthy. Mm. And it doesn't matter what your income is. You can still think you don't have enough. Now, how can that be possible? Right. And I'm going to like share this with your listeners now, because this is life-changing stuff. It's because we, we have thoughts, right? And we think them so often that we just think they're true. Like we're reading the Herald Sun newspaper. I don't even know what the paper is up in here in Sydney. Um, I was like thinking. Clearly you read the paper a lot, Megan. Yeah. Does anyone even read the paper? It's just on the screen now. Isn't that funny? I used to read the paper all the time. It's funny, yeah. It's showing my age. So anyway, so we think thoughts over and over again, and then we just believe them to be true, right? And so I'll talk about my own personal experience. I used to always think that I never had enough money. And to be frank with you, I've been in periods of my life where that actually was true. Mm, Me too. Right? So, and I'm sure many of your listeners have been in that case where like literally zero in the bank account and you're worried like, how am I going to pay my rent or how am I going Mm. to pay for food? Right? Like this was a long time ago, but this was true for me at the time. And so that thought, even though it was true, at the time, I thought it all the time, but it just stayed with me yeah. as my income increased. And so my interest in finance and managing money actually came from fear and scarcity, from being really scared that I wasn't going to be able to survive. And so I wanted to learn about it so I would be looked after when I was older. That was my motivation, right? And I'll touch more on this in a minute. So totally from fear and scarcity. Now I'm pretty good with money if I do say so myself, right? We're fast forward a few years, you know, multiple investments, yada, yada, yada. Now the thing is though, is even when I had done all those things, like I'd learned how to buy our first property and then buy another investment property and learn about shares and invest in shares, I still thought I didn't have enough money. Yeah. Now, how is that possible, right? It's because I just believed that to be true, but it was totally transparent to me. And this is what people do all the time. I'm sure your listeners right now have moments that maybe you're not thinking it all the time, but that it pops into your head. Like when you go to spend money, like I can't afford it. I don't have enough money. And I don't know how many times I've had this conversation with a client. And then almost in the same sentence, they'll say, yeah, because I've only got 30,000 in savings or, you know, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, wait, what? Mm. And so this is one of those areas where it's like this relationship we have with money is completely unintentional. 
right? Yes. Like we've, we're believing stuff about it that, well, in my case, wasn't even true. And so then it's, we wanted a transformation story. Well, I just decided to never say I don't have enough money again. And I encourage everyone listening to yeah. do that, right? From this moment onwards, never say that again, that you don't have enough money. Never say I can't afford it. And I'm going to give you some alternatives, okay? So don't worry. <laughs> but just sticking with the I can't, uh, like I don't have enough. If, if you want to move out of thinking that you don't have enough money, you actually have to practice a new thought, right? Like we're always practicing something and we get good at what we practice. And so that's what I had done. I just got good at thinking and believing I don't have enough money. And then I just always saw it reflected in my life because that was what I was looking, you know, it's like when you got pregnant, suddenly everyone was pregnant. Yes. Because you were attuned to that. It's like your little reticular activation system in the brain. There's a quick question. Yeah. So the I don't have enough thing, do you think it ever comes from the I don't feel enough? As oh, a yes, 100% connected. Yeah. But I'm just keeping it simple. Yeah, keep going, keep going. So, what you can do to actually shift your thinking is because this is what this is where people fall down, I think. It's because we, we, d- we look at it logically and we think, oh, okay, well, no, that makes sense. You know, when Megan tells me this, I look in my bank account and I do have X amount of savings and, oh, I'm living in a house and I'm paying off a mortgage. So, oh, you know, I do have enough. And every week I can buy food from the grocery store. My family's fed. Like when that bill comes in, I pay the bill. But if we say I've got more than enough money, our brain just goes, yeah, right. That's not true, right? Because this just takes us back to where we were in the start. And we can say, I've got more than enough money until we're blue in the face. But unless we believe it, nothing's going to change. Yeah. And so this is the little thing you can do. The little hack that will help you is bring it back to where you feel believable. And what I mean by that is if I asked you, and I'm going to ask you this question right now. Okay, cool. do Do you have enough money for today yes like yes. you can cover all your costs today absolutely get to yeah. like 100 you i'm actually buying that. a new fridge today so i i know that i have enough money for today yeah more yeah. than enough yes so that's a, be- a believable thought to yeah, say great. i have more than enough money for today oh that's nice i like the for today that's lovely right nice and so you can Every time you just notice yourself thinking, oh, I don't have enough or I can't afford it, you can just think, oh, hang on, but wait, I've got more than enough money for today. And if you practice that thought, like I literally wrote that thought down every day for at least a year. And I will still write that thought down if I find myself sort of getting into scarcity mindset where I'm a bit like, oh, I don't have enough or something's I'm triggered or something comes up to me. I just go back to that. Oh, no, that's right. I've got more than enough for today. That's your home base. Yeah. In fact, I've got more than enough for this week. You know, I've even got more than enough for this month, right? Like you can stretch it out until it gets wobbly. Like even if factually you can see, oh, no, I do have enough money to cover me for the month. But when you say it, it doesn't kind of feel, it doesn't land, you know? It feel real. Yeah. Okay, got it. And if you practice that, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but we can change the way our brain 
works, right? So oh, yeah. we stop feeding that neural highway in our brain, the tollway that's like just driven on all the time that I don't have enough money. We stop driving on that one and we start driving on a new bush track and we start beating out that bush track mm. that I've got enough money for today. And then before we know it, that road's paved and then that becomes a super highway. And that's the thought that comes to us and that's really easy to think. Yeah, nice. And then and just the more you practice something, the better you get at it, you know. Yeah. It? It's just like training. Yeah. It's like I'm just going to do some training today, you know. And this may seem really simple. And I, to you who's listening, I just really want to say that you can – listen to what I'm saying and go, oh, yes, 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 I understand. But you've actually got to put it into practice. And I tell you, if you do it, I mean, I attribute just that one thought, I've got more than enough for today as the the key to making more money. Like that what's really opened the door for me to make more money. Awesome. Because I'm not fixated on lack. Like yes. not having enough. Like yeah. my attention is completely on, oh, but look at all this that I do have. Yeah, that's beautiful. And also there's this aspect of that, which is that the more time you credit yourself with, I am enough, I have enough, the less time you spend feeling, I am not enough, I'm never enough and I don't have enough. And so it's literally just replacing. It's like gratitude. You know, the more you are grateful for what you have, you physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically cannot be feeling down, lack, self-criticism, any of those things whilst feeling gratitude. It is an exclusive emotion. When you are feeling gratitude, you are feeling gratitude. It means you're not feeling all those other things. So you're immediately changing the balance. And so I love that about what you're saying because it has it works in the same way. If you're doing that same thing, if I have enough for today, then you're not thinking about the lack and the scarcity and what you don't have. It's a glass is half full practice, you know. It sure is. And before I forget, I'll give you some tips of what you can say instead of I can't afford it as well because I, oh, yeah. I, I just mentioned that. Nice. That sometimes... Yeah, we 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 look at something and we think, oh, I can't afford that. But what I want to suggest to you is instead of saying that, say that's not for me right now, or I'm choosing to spend my money on something else. Because like you might, I don't know what your listeners are into, but I don't know, maybe there's some amazing wicking bed, fantastic. I was gardening. gonna say handbags, but yeah, sure. That's good too. That's good too. I'm sure we talked about gardening last time we spoke. <laughs> we <to you>. probably <laughs> did. Well, maybe some sort of fantastic wicking bed isn't going to be that expensive. So a handbag, <laughs> handbags can. Whoa, is there even a limit to? Yeah, like, okay. even secondhand handbags. That's let's, my yeah. That's my. Let's jam. pick a fictional handbag that's five thousand dollars. Okay, I'm just okay. going like, to like yeah. So we might look at that handbag and think, oh, I couldn't afford that, but in actual fact. You could if you didn't pay your rent that month, right? Yes, like yes. if or if you use the money that you'd put away for your kids' school fees yeah. or 
if you didn't go on the holiday that was going to cost $5,000 or you yeah. use the ten, uh, the $5,000 that was sitting in your offset account. That'd be a big call, wouldn't it? Kids, you're not going to school this month, but look at my handbag. <laughs> yeah. But this is really important stuff because when you tell yourself, I can't afford it, that's for real the message that you're practicing and that you're putting out there and that you're believing when in when it's not true it's actually you're choosing to spend your money on other things yes and that's a beautiful thing because i can't afford it puts you in the powerless victim mentality like oh yes. i just i can't afford that whereas just simply speaking about it differently like yes well actually i'm choosing to pay for my mortgage this month because that's more important to me than that handbag. That's so cool. I love that. My other little trick when I feel like that is that I have a Pinterest board, which is just called ideas and stuff I'd like, you know, and when I see something really amazing that I'm choosing not to spend my money on right now, I pin it. So it's like, I just put a pin in it. I just go, it's not for me today. It doesn't mean it's never for me. And then when it's birthday time or when I have a kind of a windfall and I feel like I want to celebrate, I go back to that pin board and I pick something, you know, and I reward myself. And it works really well for me because it's, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not saying never, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not blocking it. I'm going, oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm going to put that on the board. You know, I'm going with it. Yeah. And it's really, it's been a great trick actually, because it, it feels expansive, not contractive. It feels like I'm not going to shut down that beautiful desire I have for that $5,000 handbag that I love. I'm going to have faith that at some point when it's the right time, that might be the thing I spend my money on, you know, and it's kind of cool. I, I quite like doing it and it's really fun too. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, it puts you in the driver's seat. Mm. You're in charge and you're the one creating what it is that you want. Mm. Language like is powerful. so much. Yeah, it is. Cool. Thank you. I think that's such a gem. I yeah. really love it. And have you, can you tell me some, a story of someone you've worked with where that's really changed something for them, something big for them without telling us their name, of course? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of, well, I mean, I think, so one of the things that I think, would be really helpful to talk about is your relationship with money as if money is a person. Oh, cool. What? Yeah. So this is something that has been really powerful for me. And then also, you know, that I have seen with my clients that when you start looking at what your current relationship is. And I'm going to talk to your membership about this, by the way. So oh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, really yeah. excited. Yeah. We, we just, if you're not in Elena's membership, what's going <laughs> on, you're going to miss out on my workshop. So yeah, I can't wait. We're so thrilled. I've had a few people, I was promoting it today and they're getting really excited. Oh, good stuff. So, okay. So if you want to have a different money mindset, one way to look at it is thinking about money as if it's a person, as if you're in a relationship with that person, right? Do you have a name for this person, Megan, yourself? I don't. I mean, I just call money money. But yeah. <laughs> let me give you let me give you some some pointers here because think about if you treated your children 
or your lover like you treat money? Because often a lot of us say like we treat money like we want money always to be there. These are just some examples. It's like we want money to be there for us when we need it, but then we also sometimes feel guilty when money's around. We get stressed when money's not around where we can talk negatively about money, right? Yeah. Like money's like the root of all evil, you know, and we can feel shame for having money around in our life or then we can also feel ashamed for not having money. Imagine if you were like that with your kids. Yeah. Like terrible. So like nurture, nurture the relationship. It's funny you say that. I have a friend who's pretty psychic and she visited the other day and she came in up my stairs and she said, oh, my gosh, you've got so many money plants all the way up the stairs. And I said, oh, is that good? She went, yeah, that's really good. But they could do with a trim. She said, you need to look after them. You got to look after the money plants. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So it's kind of the same as what you're saying. <laughs> totally. because. We, we actually can decide what kind of relationship we want to have with money. And when you start doing this work, it can be revelational, you know, like, because it's like, oh, what? You mean I don't have to feel bad for spending money or I could look after money. So, you know, I like to, one of my clients, when we talked about this, she couldn't relate to money being a person, but she could relate to it being her pet. Right. (laughs) That's cute. Right. Actually, I've got a couple of clients like that one with a cat, one with a dog. Like, you know, if I'm imagining like how I'm looking after my pet. I I think mine's a bear, a money bear. Oh, that's cool. So then it's like when you, when you think of money as a person, first of all, what I want to say is if you've got less than satisfactory relationship with money currently, don't beat yourself up or get down on yourself if you don't instantly change your relationship overnight. Because think about if you're in a toxic relationship with someone in your workplace, for instance, and you decide that you're going to heal that relationship, Hmm. that's going to take some time and effort, right? Like to think about, well, how do I want to treat this person? How do I want to talk about them? How do I want to take care of them? Right. I'm just throwing out lots of examples to try and get the anchor point for people to relate Mm, to. That's a great example. So it's when we start to change our, like when we start to get, okay, stop. Let me stop this. Let's sort of three steps. First, we have to be aware, like what's our current relationship? Yes. And many people are unaware. So do like an audit. Yeah. What what is my current? Yeah. Yeah. Like how are you being and doing with money? Like how do you talk about money? What sort of like do you avoid money, you know, or do you watch your money like a hawk? Like you know where all the bits are and you're really controlling and you you worry about it. You know, you don't want to spend your money because you're scared to lose it. Or maybe you spend all your money with your eyes closed and don't think about it, you know, (laughs) never look at the credit card. Like there's no right or wrong. It's just sort of like, what's your current relationship, Mm, right? That's cool. And then when you figure out what your current relationship is, and I do this in depth with my clients and I'm going to teach your work, do this in the workshop. Wonderful. Then, Then there's 
some letting go, some healing, like you might need some to heal some areas. Like maybe there's some money trauma. And when I say trauma, that sounds so serious, but maybe you've got stuff from when you were a kid that, or that, you know, you didn't have much money when you were growing up or your parents always argued about money or there's stuff around money that you see showing up now that feels tender, you know, that needs some healing or forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you need to forgive someone else like for things that have happened. And then it's like the third step is really deciding intentionally, like what relationship do I want to have from here on in with money? Like what's my promise to money? Mm, And I'm going to give some examples, you know, like I promise to always look after my money. Like if money comes into my space, like I'm always going to welcome money. I'm always going to be like, money, you are so welcome in my space and I'm going to look after you. Like when you're with me. I love it. You know, I'm going to be an amazing custodian. I'm going to make sure that some of you is in this savings account over here because I just want to have the capacity to have you around, right? Like I just want you to be there. But also like for some of you, I'm going to send you off over here and invest (laughs) you because I want you to have something to do. Go out into the world. Yeah. And, you know, this part of money, money, I'm going to flow you to this local shop that's family run and I really want to support that business and I'm going to send some of you that way and I'm just going to spend some of you on that shop and just love every minute of having I love that and it's so intentional and deliberate right and it is completely different Elena as opposed to I'm stressed you know I'm a bad person if I make more money I'm going to turn into a witchy horrible I don't know, you know what, like if I've got a heap of money, you know, and that was like one of my clients challenges when, first of all, like she thought that if she made more money that, Mm. you know, she would somehow be a different person or that, you know, she, she was like, I've got enough money. Like that's, that's enough. Like, why do I need more? But when she sort of started examining, like, her current relationship with it and all her thoughts about it, she sort of just like really opened up to being open to money and having it around, like, because it wasn't a bad thing to have it in her life. And she wasn't bad having it because she created this beautiful relationship. And I'm not even kidding you, in six months, she doubled her income. I love it. Because she just really got really intentional with things that she was doing. Fantastic. And you know what I love about this, as you were speaking, I think I used to, I don't do this anymore actually, but I used to, certainly when I was younger, because I went to a public school and even though my parents had the veneer of being very successful, they were also pretty much bankrupted or one step away from bankrupted. And so there's this real polarization, right? And when I was probably late teens, early twenties, maybe into my thirties, actually, I think I just had this really strong sense that you couldn't have money and also be cool, that all wealthy people were kind of conservative or in some way uncool. (laughs) I I don't know where it came from. And it was a strong one, you know, and then as you live, you grow and you change. And I, I met plenty of 
very wealthy people who were incredibly cool, you know, like musicians and like amazing people who had great success in all manner of things. But I think I had this very limited idea at first that money could only come from business success or financial, you know, sort of sector success. And it's, it's really interesting when that changes over time. And I certainly don't feel that anymore. I've met so many interesting people with or without money, you know. This is why this work is so important. I mean, I just encourage women to work on their money stuff, like work on your relationship or play on your relationship with money, right? Because it doesn't matter what your income level is, we can all have icky stuff with money. And, you know, there's different terms that you'll hear in the money mindset world, like money blocks or scarcity mindset, abundance mindset, things like that. Anybody can have money blocks at any time. You know, you don't become this perfect being that never, it's like saying that you never have a time when you yell at your kids or that you said Mm. something in the heated moment that you didn't want to say, like that later you were sorry for, you know, like things come up. It's like you're Mm. human. It doesn't matter. But what does matter is just being aware of it because that little story that you just told, yeah, so many people, and I'm sure you have still stuff like this, as do I, that's just sitting there like sunglasses that we're wearing that we don't even realize that are there and we're living our life through that filter like oh I couldn't possibly be earn more money mm. because you know I'd be uncool or I'd out earn my partner and then he'd be uncomfortable or you know my dad wouldn't approve of me making money in that way or I'd be earning more money than all my friends and then no one would like me. That's right. I uncovered one the other day, which was this kind of fear that if I had a really successful business, my business is one year old, so it's early days for me, right? And I had this moment where I realized that I'd been sort of subconsciously thinking that if it grows and if it becomes very successful, that it will mean more work and more responsibility and it will mean things I don't want, like take me away from my family because that's what it meant when I was young, you know, in my family of origin. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realise that was there, you know, and that you just uncover these things as you go, don't you? And I was just thinking also like a lot of the women in the community that are in my community, essentially, in the soul mama community, they're often in the early stages or the medium early stages of motherhood, you know, primary school age kids. And that's potentially a really vulnerable time financially, because you may not be able to work in your career full time. If you have multiple children, you possibly can only work part time, you know, if at all, or flexibly. And that can be challenging. It can put you into a position of dependence it can call into question the ways you've earned money before. You know, it's challenging. And the concepts you're talking about right now, I think would be particularly powerful when you're feeling that financial vulnerability, you know, when that stuff's coming up. Well, that's a perfect example because what I've seen with some some of my clients is that they don't count their partner's money as their money. Yes, right? There's separation there. And this is what I was talking about before. Like I say to money, wherever you're coming from, 
like whether you're coming to me through my partner's work Mm. or whether you're coming to me through a gift or whether you're coming to me through somebody offering to pay for my coffee, you're welcome. Like I don't have restrictions on how you come into my life. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Right. And because that can be a huge thing and I totally get it. Like I've always been so independent when I had my kids. I was like, whoa, how's this going to go? Yeah. But I think I just made a decision pretty early on that, you know, that money is my money. Mm. So, you know, I, and I talked to my partner about it, that it, we made a conscious decision. I'm going to be the one who is the primary caregiver to the kids. Mm. You're going to be the one who's the primary worker mm. and we're a team and yeah. that money that comes in is our money. But oh, so, Yeah, but so many people I've discovered don't do that. Or yeah. and, and also please hear me, this isn't the right way or that like what I'm saying isn't like the right way I'm putting air quotes. The whole point about your relationship with money is that it's yours. Yes. You get to choose. Like how do you want to interact with money? What do you want your relationship to be? I'll tell you a little story. I'm loving this conversation, Megan. Thank you. You have so much wisdom on this topic, so much to share. It's beautiful and very empowering, which is awesome because it's not always the talk. And this is the story I'm going to tell you. You're going to laugh. I was kind of early on-ish in our relationship. I think I may have been pregnant or I'd had, had our first child together. And we may not have been married, or maybe we were just married. And we went to see a financial advisor at a large bank, large financial institution. And of course, at that time, I didn't really understand those particularly financial advice. They're not independent. They're basically salespeople, right? Yeah. And I didn't understand that at the time. I was reasonably financially illiterate. Previously. So many people don't realize that. Yeah, so that's important, guys. If you're getting financial advice, get independent financial advice, okay? So what was really interesting, we go to this meeting, I was kind of excited because I thought, oh, we're having a planning meeting with, because I was excited. I was in a partnership. I'd been a single parent for seven years. It was a financially difficult time. I had in that time paid off $20,000 worth of debt while part-time studying and part-time working and solo parenting with very little financial support. So there are ways, let me tell you, if you're in a ditch, there are ways out. I can promise you that. So, you know, it it was good. I was excited. I was partnering up. I think I was pregnant. And so we walk in, I'm all like hyped up. Woohoo, I'm there, you know. And we sit down, a bunch of questions are asked. Long and the short of it, when it came to the part about, okay, are we going to insure the life, you know, life insurance of each of us and income insurance. I wasn't really working at that time. So income insurance didn't make sense. I got that. But then when it came to life insurance, she very flippantly said, oh, it's not really worth doing it for you looking at me. You know, I mean, if if you're not working and you're not there, it's not really a big deal. And I immediately like just deflated. I became like this little shriveled up raisin on the floor. I was so distressed by her dismissiveness of my life, first of all, but second of all, my contribution to our family. And when we left, I was so fired up and we went home and we did the maths. You know, if there was a person hired to do all the things that I did 
And at that point, I think we only had one child between us, maybe two, but probably only one. And it was way beyond the income of my partner, who's fairly, fairly well, you know, earning. And when we went to see our next financial advisor, who was an independent, highly vetted, I might say, after that experience, of course, he sat there, he asked a bunch of questions and he said, absolutely, you must be insured because to replace your services, to put it bluntly, would cost well beyond your partner's income. It's so, it's worth so much and we undervalue care in this society. So if at any time you are questioning your worth as a carer, whether or not you're working in your family, do the maths, like look at it and value that shit because, oh my gosh, think about having a night nurse, you know, someone to do all of the cleaning, all of the, whatever it is that you're doing as a home person. You may have a split, you may have split duties with your husband. I don't want to assume, but do the maths. If you need to value your care and your time as a mother, really put it into financial terms and you probably feel pretty good about yourself. And it's a great argument for sharing finances as well. And so my husband and I very much, you know, he earns more than I do on paper, but I do a lot of the heavy lifting at home. And if you put it all together, it's pretty even, you know, so we share resources really well. But that does rely on, and I must say this, it does rely on you having a partnership where there is a balance of power that is fair. And that doesn't always happen. And there is such a thing as financial control and financial disempowerment in relationships. And it can tip into abuse. I've been in that position before as well. And if that's the case, you know, that's really tough. And I have a lot of compassion for you if you're in that position. And I would encourage you to really seek financial literacy, financial empowerment, learn about whatever you can to empower yourself in that situation. That's what I had to do. And it was definitely an enriching process. And I'm, I'm sure you've helped women like that before too. Oh my goodness. Well, I, you know, that's another thing about money that is such a myth that it's this big, complex, hard thing. You know, I have recently been investing in a bit of skincare because oh, yeah, not, I'm not getting any younger. I actually <laughs> love my wrinkles and freckles, but I'm outside in the sun a lot. And so I was like, I really need to look after my skin. I don't want to get skin cancer. Yeah. Right? And so I started looking into this sort of like, what can I get? And I've seen people, you know, influencers on Instagram and everything. And the amount of knowledge and technical stuff that goes into skincare blows me away. And I'm like, if you can work out this skincare stuff, you can work mm. out money. And <laughs> beyond that, can I say, if you can bring a baby into this world and not right. even, even if you've adopted a baby, whatever you've done, if you, you are, are caring for a human, mm. If you can do that, you can look after money easily. You can do bloody anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that's what it is. It's just about some education. It's just about learning. And it's like anything. You learn how to drive a car, you know, you learn how to do yeah. maths at school or I shouldn't bring up maths because I don't want that to be a, you know, like <laughs> that's one of those, oh, I'm bad at I math. like maths. Maths is yeah. good. You know, if, if you can read, if you have the ability to read, you can do money. Like it's just, 
It's there's not a lot around now for us too. There's a lot of resources. In fact, I might even pop a couple in the show notes. But it's been amazing to talk to you, darling. And I can't believe we've been talking as long as we have. Clearly, we have a lot to share. I've loved your stories. I've loved hearing a little of your wisdom. And I'm very excited to hear more from you over the coming weeks and months. I'm definitely going to be following your podcast. And uh, thank you so much for your time, Megan. Oh my gosh, you are so welcome. What do you want to tell people? Yeah, well, I thought it would be great to tell them how they can find me, if that's okay. Do it, do it. So come and listen to my podcast, Money Mindful. You are going to learn all about how to change your relationship with money. If you think you learn a few things today, well, just wait until I get in your ears every week. And I have something that I'm just releasing in about a week. So by the time this comes out, I think it'll, it'll be good to go. It's an abundant mindset toolkit. Because this awesome. really helps with changing your relationship with money. So if you want to get your hands on that, you can go to my website, meganjsmith.au. So it's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-J smith.au forward slash abundant dash mindset dash toolkit. But I'm sure Elena will put a link somewhere. I certainly yeah. will. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, Megan. I've absolutely loved hanging out with you. It's been a real pleasure. And I'm looking forward very much to hanging out some more inside the membership. And I'm definitely subscribing to your podcast. You've got me for life, I reckon. You just have such a beautiful way of talking about it. It's really cool. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. And I can't wait to come and work with your mums. I can't wait. Yeah, we're excited. Thanks, Megan. I'll see you soon. Thank you. This podcast is produced independently and made just for you. So if you have enjoyed it, please do leave me a review and you can put in the review a request for a topic or even a nomination for a particular guest if you would like me to interview someone in particular. Thank you so much for your support. If you really love it, uh, you can also share it and subscribe to it and follow it. See you soon.